Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. talking about John 1 this morning, and it starts with the phrase, in the beginning was the word. And that phrase, many of us can read here during the Christmas season because of the introduction of the Gospel of John um, account, and it gives, it plays us off of Genesis 1. We all know that phrase, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so it's another way of the account of all things. But many of us read the word word, and it's a, it's actually a unit of language, so I went to school for, for English as an English teacher, so I spent a lot of time studying words and grammar and all those things, and that matters to me. I'm very particular. I just got into a, a conversation with somebody online about um, what really irritates you. <laughs> and I, I have a long list of things that irritate me, but one of them is like when things are misspelled, like the store home furniture that's spelled H-O-M, and I cannot ignore it. Like, I go by, Chris knows, he's like, oh, he doesn't want to be in the car with me because I have to speak up every time. Like, it's not H-O-M, it's H-O-M-E. So, Tom, I don't know why. I just, so misspelled things. So, um, what I started thinking of with the word word was all the ways that we experience words. Um, perhaps you think of your English class when you read Shakespeare. There are lots of words in that. Or I get the visual of any kindergarten classroom that you go into and then they have the lining of the alphabet around a classroom, I think of that. Or maybe you see those awful red lines that marked up all your essays when we used to write on paper. Um, we don't really write on paper much anymore, but um, in Christian reference, the word word often means the Bible. So I don't know if you guys have heard that thrown back at you before, um, but I know there are lots of phrases like, I'm going to build my life on the word of God. And this was something that I used to declare um, when I was in middle school. Um, and I would bring my Bible to school. I proudly brought it. I was kind of in a way of like daring anybody to tell me that I couldn't, which isn't bad. It's kind of like a middle school thing. Like, I'm going to be a rebel for Christ. Um, and I would read it in my homeroom instead of actually doing my homework because I felt like, well, this is what it's about anyway. So um, if Mr. Arnovich is watching, I'm really sorry that I didn't do my uh, uh, social studies work. I was like reading the word of God. Um, but I grew up believing that the Bible was literally the cornerstone of my faith practice. And even though that biblical reference talks about Jesus being that cornerstone. Or perhaps knowing the word of God is more about just being knowledgeable about what the Bible says. Maybe it doesn't have all these really heavy things for us. Perhaps you think of the word of God and you think of the phrases or the stories or the words that impact you and change you. Or perhaps you know about the word of God as a punishment. It was something that shamed you to get you to behave or belong. But this word of God is actually translated from most commonly for us from the Greek word logos. But the word word is only a portion of that meaning. Similar to most things that we translate over time, logos closer refers to the act of speaking. So the thing that I'm doing with you now is more of that word. You're actually listening more to my voice and the way that I'm presenting this to you. So even using the word voice might shift our reference and thinking. 
I use my voice to bring these words into meaning. You're going to observe my body language. You're going to listen to my um, intonation and my inflection. And you're going to hear the words all through the way that things filter through the way you experience life. And hearing these words, there's, we have these awesome communication systems that help create meaning and understanding. And hopefully, throughout this talk today, it inspires some curiosity on your faith journey. So when I read words or I'm in a conversation, I'm really listening to people's voice. And it isn't just the words that are coming out of your mouth, it's how they're coming out of your mouth. So when you want to pass on information, what are the, some of the ways that you do that? Just take a second to think of all the ways that you passed on information this week. Perhaps you sent an email or a thousand or a text message. And if it's a holiday season, I know I've been receiving uh, pictures and then family letters. I think that's really awesome. People are still typing out a family letter. I don't have time to do that, but I appreciate when people send that family letter. I do read it. Perhaps you post a picture on the gram or you film a TikTok or in our house I see like snaps of foreheads. I'm like, what are you doing, son? He's like, this is how we communicate, a snap of the forehead, whatever. Yeah. Um, so we have no shortage of areas for passing on information. It's probably why we feel overwhelmed a lot of the time. But if you, you, if you want to communicate, being in proximity with people is really helpful. Having those conversations where you can look at somebody in the eye, you can hear their voice is best. And it can help eliminate unnecessary drama. Um, for me, I learned about punctuation and how it can communicate something differently through text message. <laughs> and I learned this um, with my son. I would, thought I was being really expressive when I would say, like, I love you, exclamation, 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 or when are you coming home for dinner, question mark, question mark. And he's like, Mom, why are you yelling at me? He's like, he actually called me, which is very odd because I don't even think he's set up his voicemail yet. Cole, if you're watching, you got to set up your voicemail, man. Um, he was telling me, it communicates yelling when you use all that punctuation. Because I noticed even when he sends me something, there's no period, there's no comma, there's, it's just phrases. So this was fun to learn because I imagine when he told me that, I imagine it's kind of like, and I try not to do this. We have a big sliding door that leads out to a road, and it's like a very busy space at the beginning of school. So I imagine it's kind of like me um, opening up that screen door and just screaming out to the neighborhood, Cole, I love you! Do you love me? Circle yes or no? I can't hear you! Turn around, son! Um, so I've learned to like eliminate those exclamation uh, points. But there's something about being in the same space with my kids. I'm going to go on with this just a little bit here. Um, I, I love knowing their individual footsteps when they walk around the house. You know, the people that you're around with, you know who's coming up the stairs, who's coming up the driveway. You know by somebody's voice whether they're excited or at whether there's like some big conflict that's brewing just by listening. And I'm not so much interested in just the words, but I love hearing the voice because it helps me understand what's going on. And I'm not so much interested in just the words without the voice. I need both of them. Uh, balance is pretty necessary here. So if I spend too much time talking, um, I, Chris taught me that there's this place that he goes to in his brain if I talk too long. It's his baseball box. Have you guys heard this theory that like, you have boxes that you can hop into? I, this is a gendered thing, but oftentimes what they say is women, everything is touching, and men have boxes. And so Chris is like, well, I, yeah, I just go to the baseball box. I'm like, what the heck is a baseball box? He's like, I just go in and I start thinking about what, like, plays on third base, or what was it? 
And I thought, that's kind of a cool thing. I wish I had a box that I would just go into when, like, things got overwhelming. So if I talk too much, I'm like, are you going to baseball box right now? He's like, not yet. Um, so I know that it's probably time to, like, lose some of that and start listening. But if there's not enough talking, it can make the heart or the heat of our conversations, our relationships grow cold. Have you ever been ghosted? Has anybody ever ghosted you? Or you have ever ghosted anybody else? There's, that's like a, that is a survival tactic. It's necessary for protection. Sometimes we do really do have to cut people out. But it communicates its own reality, which is don't talk to me. I am a brick wall. Nothing in, nothing out. And we can do this in our divine relationships too. Sometimes we're overwhelmed and we talk a lot and we don't spend as much time listening. So in the same way, too much reading, too much study, it shrinks our availability to actively participate with other people. We miss out in being in the world where we see and hear God's voice playing around in all these spaces. Not enough reading and not enough study, and we can miss out on words of those who are actively writing and communicating for us to think differently, to get curious about problems that we might be perpetuating or perpetuating. So when I tell you that even during this Christmas season, I'm just having a tough time about some of the doubts from the actual words of the word of God. And I say that as a way of just being honest too. And I don't think I'm the only one. There's something about the Christmas season that makes me often feel that I should just be inspired and hopeful all the time. But I too am often troubled by the words that I hear, that I read in the Bible. I can be offended pretty quickly by the words and actions of fellow Christians. And I really want to know sometimes, are we all reading the same words? Are we reading the same book? And I think maybe it is the voice that's confusing. And so I can grow really weary, and this, maybe it's even in the season, I can grow weary of listening to poor communication over fractured information. And I don't think it's just where the Bible is concerned. I think we're all pretty weary and our filters are a little tired from having to dis decipher, like, what kind of conversation am I in right now? And so those of you who feel betrayed or abandoned or maybe even rejected by your Christian faith, maybe you feel betrayed or abandoned by God or deceived or mocked by Christians or maybe even embarrassed or shamed by Christianity, this is Christmas. Abandonment and shame and embarrassment and death and mockery and betrayal. These are all Christmas feelings. They aren't just the ones about hope and light and love. Those are, those are absolutely necessary right now too. But I think we oftentimes can uh, move away from those feelings of shame or betrayal or guilt because they don't feel acceptable to talk about or be present with other people. So we can't know hope without being hopeless. And we really can't experience grief without acknowledging that there's loss and fear and death in the world. And we really don't know truth until we know and own and then actively repair the losses from our own deception and dishonesty. And we all know that warm and hopeful place where we feel truly accepted after perhaps we felt that bitter sting of being rejected. So... I was telling Chris when I was preparing for this week that I spent so much time crying over this message. And I don't think that that's necessarily bad. Like, I'm not ashamed um, to cry. But I like to um, think about, like, well, what is this feeling? Why am, I, why am I crying about this? Is it something specific to what I'm thinking about or doing? And I've just realized I think I've cried more tears in the past 18 months than I've laughed. 
And I don't think that's bad. It's just acknowledging that that's kind of a, I feel like I'm in a grievous moment. Um, and I've been struggling and I've been rejecting and been fearful about some things within my Christian faith practice more than I've been hopeful. And so even reading that uh, phrase from John 1, in the beginning was the word, I felt like I just started crying because the Bible has done a lot of powerful things in my life and has really moved and inspired me. And at the same time, it's also hurt me, the way it's been used against me or the way that maybe I've misread some things. And so oftentimes you get angry over the way Christianity gets used to shame or guilt or make humanity just get squeezed into some tight forms. And I'm really interested in curiosity. Can we stay longer in conversations together? So I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I just feel like I'm over it sometimes. Um, and as much, but as, as much as I'm conflicted, I'm not just up here to rant about all the things I don't like. As much as I'm conflicted or angry or feeling spiteful, I also find myself deeply moved. And that's why I was crying. Because as I'm reading something, I couldn't just shut my Bible and be like, I'm done with this. I'm like, there's something still in these phrases that is adding meaning and feels really deep and connective to me. And so I wanted to steal just this great phrase from Jesus because... <laughs> There are some things that when I hear something that's racist or misogynistic or homophobic, I just want to steal that Jesus phrase. It's like, get behind me, Satan. Because I just don't think, I don't have time for it anymore. Um, but there are some phrases from John 1 that still trip me up. These were some of the ones that um, I sat with and I listened to and still really moved me. So, in him was light, and that light is the light of all humankind. And to that I say, yes, we can reflect that light. And then God came to those who were his own, and by his own they did not receive him. And I can say, yes, I see rejection. I see that in Jesus. I see that in humanity. And then the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so while there might be times where I don't feel like there's a lot of light, I can say that there is hope in hopeless times. And so church, I know that we're weary and we're tired from doing what is good. Um, I know I long for some peace and celebration and goodwill for all of humankind. I feel tired right now, even deep down into my bones, and I know that I'm not the only one feeling like that. But I know that hope still rises for us. Um, I, I got this picture of when I was thinking of the Bible and I was having all these uh, tears about like what does the Bible mean to me and what is the meaning here, that there are often some places that I still go to that used to be well watered and now seem dry. And so I find myself like staring at this place where I used to go and feel well watered and replenished and I'm staring at it like what happened here? Like it just dried up. And then I feel shameful that I'm still like returning to the same place, hoping that water is going to be there um, for me. And I'm realizing like I don't have to feel shameful about that. And I wanted to share that with you also, that if you find yourself in a place where you've, you've gone someplace that felt well-watered, it felt encouraging, it felt good, and now it doesn't feel like that anymore, that's, there's no reason to feel shame. That's the place that we can go, we can observe that, we can collect our breath, and then we move on. We move on to the next place. And so for the evolution and the journey that you're on to, to go to the next place, I say yes and amen to that. And that it may be lonely, but you're not alone. It may feel really lonely. 
And the place you find yourself this Christmas, I want you to know that you do belong. You don't need to hide out. You don't have to try to rally. I was just telling Chris, I'm like, I feel like I got to rally, man. Like, and I don't know where that comes from. Like, just got to, I don't know, like, do a Christmas dance. Maybe I need Christmas socks, like Sarah said. Um, but I don't want to ignore the reality that there is some grief that I'm feeling, but there's still hope. There's still joy. All of those things can happen at the same time. And so my prayer is that you would see the word and hear the voice that's happening deep inside of you. And that you'd know that the word and the voice that forms you, created you, and that you can stay awake to the light life that's happening in all of creation. So I'm going to end by reading John 1 to us. And this is a different version. This is from a version called The Voice. So before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. This celestial word remained ever-present with the creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos. Immersed in the practice of creating, all things that existed were birthed in him. His breath filled all living things, and with a living, breathing light, a light that thrives in the depths of darkness, blazes through murky bottoms, it cannot and will not be quenched. So I'm going to pray for us. And then you are welcome to stay and have more coffee and connect with one, one another. Um, if you need to head out, you can do that too. But I'd encourage you, if you want to talk with somebody, there's a lot of us here this morning, which is really nice. So if you're feeling alone and want to connect with another human, I would encourage you to do so. So I'm going to pray, and then I have a blessing for us, and then you can continue with your day. So God, we recognize your light life here. And we hear your words, and we know of your voice. And I pray that that is what we would experience in this season. Is that we'd be able to be curious, that we'd be able to stay with our breath, that we'd be able to acknowledge who you are, and observe you in the things that you're doing all around us. And so church, may you go in peace. And may you know that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. Merry Christmas.